I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what is up? Well, I miss OKC basketball already. <laughs> um, like, how many how many days do we have to count uh, till the next game? Oh, like too, too, many. Ho- too many. Way too many. Yeah, 150, something like that. Just yeah, pretty much. It's well, we get, we do get summer league, so we're going to get to see uh, Juwan Evans and Terrence Ferguson and Diallo play, which will be kind of fun. Yeah, um, I'm so sorry I cannot be in Vegas this season. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. I will not make it either, um, unfortunately. But I'll be watching and cheering them on, and just. Uh, I mean, really, this will be one of my favorite summer league teams ever. So, very look, very much looking forward to that. Uh, today, we did have Sam Presti's exit interview, and I will attach it to the end of this show. And so, we'll kind of give a breakdown of it, and you'll get to hear it yourself. It is long, I'll tell you. Sam Presti talked for, I have it right here, uh, an hour and 12 minutes and 32 seconds is what I have. Wow, it's a it's a long time, and I'll attach it. And maybe you got some time to listen to it. Not all of it is super interesting. I think that we can talk about the main takeaways from it. And number one is it seems like Billy's going to be the coach for next season. So I guess we'll just start there. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it wasn't. Uh, I think conclusive uh, because when you say I expect to. And not Billy will be back. Um, and the fact that he still had to discuss with Billy yet, um, I think, like, it's that was not, weird. That was it's, weird it's, that he hasn't talked to yeah. Billy yet. To me, I found that to be strange, but maybe yeah, it's not. It's, it's not clear cut, and it leaves you. Um, it's, it leaves the door open to say, uh, "Well, Billy and I agreed that this is no longer a situation where." We both benefit there can be a mutual of parting of sorts. Yeah, 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 something sure. like that. Um, I'm not saying that this will happen, but the fact that he wasn't conclusive, I think it's something um, that leaves all the possibilities open. Uh, but you're right. Uh, as of today, we have to assume that Billy will be back uh, as the coach. And to be fair, the 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 motivation that um, Sam gave for for this are not terribly wrong. I mean, um, are not like entirely wrong. I mean, he said that this team was for the seventy percent of the season very very good, mm-hmm. and, and it was. And at the beginning of last season, uh, we had I think thirty games or maybe even forty mm-hmm. where the Russell Westbrook eruptions to win games were basically zero. Right, where OKC played consistent basketball, played um, for uh, for their their own strength, 
mm-hmm. I remember us talking about uh, after a game in Phoenix. Maybe I already mentioned that uh, in the last podcast, but there were games where OKC was losing big, and no matter what, they were still running things and not just going hero ball. And so if you look at those things and you don't look at the incredible inconsistency of the last two post-All-Star game seasons, um, you can find ways to say, well, the the defense was better. Uh, The offense was, I think, better in terms of shot creation. Um, So there are many reasons where you can say, well, maybe it's just a matter of things being unlucky uh, with Avrinas, with George, um, with Rasputin injury, with with Ray being out of the season, and maybe running back this core for another season is not uh, a bad idea. Yeah, and you can see where he's coming from with that. I think it it does. If you're just trying to read the tea leaves from today, which I just don't know that you really can, because I think Sam said a lot of similar things uh, the summer he traded for Paul George. So I think that you have to take it with a grain of salt. They're going If they can find a drastic way to improve the team, they'll, they will do it. But you also mm-hmm. have to go into the summer with the expectation that they're just going to be trying to make moves on the fringes. He talked a lot about the Alex Abrina spot today mm-hmm. yeah. and how that kind of – he didn't have a contingency plan for that in place. And really the contingency plan was, once they got to the bio season, was get Wes Matthews. And he yeah. mentioned Wes Matthews' name several times as well and kind of seemed – sad that he didn't get West Matthews which is kind of like oh okay that's that's interesting um, but to me it's it is a little bit disappointing that we don't see some action in the coaching department one because Billy's essentially like a lame they call it a lame duck coach whenever they're in their last season and like he doesn't have a contract beyond this next season a lot of coaches don't like to coach in that type of environment um but maybe for Sam, it's applying the, some pressure to him in his final year. Uh, but to me, it's quite risky. They they're going to be kind of putting themselves in the same spot they did with KD, where like they let's say they go through all the next season, things don't go well. Let's say they get first round exit again, and then you have to find another coach. Well, then you only have one season with Paul left, and then like what's then you make go find another guy, and then things don't work out. I mean like. To me, it's just a tough position. Whereas if you had two years, you could maybe create some continuity with something new, which to me, this team just feels a little bit like they need something new. They need a new energy. They need a new, maybe even a new direction. I don't think they need a lot of personnel changes, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. they need more shooting. But you have the Paul George, Russell Westbrook. It was, it's extremely clear this, this team is going to ride or die with Russell Westbrook today as well Mm -hmm. like we can and alex and i will probably dissect that we can dissect that too like the possibility of them trading russell like what does that even look like uh it it doesn't look great i can tell you that i've (laughs) I've looked into it a lot um but it does seem like this team will go into the offseason with russell westbrook as the the team leader again and sam touched talked a lot about russell there are a lot of questions about russell today and so it'll be that'll be a, a definitely a part of the show. But I still think that he he mentioned Billy. He likes Billy. He thinks that he works harder than anybody else. Uh, 
he's he didn't mention his curiosity today, but I know that that's something that Sam really values. Um, just he was a very curious man. Um, but it does appear as though Billy Donovan will be the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder at least for one more season. Yeah, and um, again, I said I, I think that there is one way to look at um, at the Billy Donovan situation in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you said this score has two years. Um, but I do think that if you believe in this score, in year three of Russ and PG, you need to see something, no matter who is the coach. Yeah. Like, they are too good to be uh, a first-round exit, a sub-50 win teams. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get the idea that if you don't find the best guy available, like a guy that complete that, that checks all boxes where you have Russ's um, uh, approval, you have PG approval if you need those. Uh, like if you have like a transcendent coach that, that, that wants to coach your team, then yes, you have to go. But if you have to risk something just for the sake of getting something new, I don't think that's a good, good approach because uh, on one end, again, no matter what, you need to be better with this core. And if you are not, there are things that go beyond coaching. Like a coach like Popovich can get you to game six. But get, guess what? If you don't make shots, he can get you a first round win. Not even Popovich. Right. And so, again, you need to see something more. Uh, something, something that goes, goes beyond. And with KD, you had that. You see multiple times where probably... Brooks' mistakes were the loudest one mm. and not the ones on the court. And so if you have a core uh, that fails again next season, you have Paul George with one year left, Steven Adams with one year left, um, Russ with, I think, uh, four plus one or three plus one maybe, yeah. something like that. Um, and and you have your rookies uh, that are in a good position where you can see who you need and, and who you don't. And with those two contracts, like Steven and PG's one, you can really get something back. And it's a very, very good moment to hit the reset button. Because if this team can can go forward with this goal, you need to push it. And and Russ will be more understand, probably more willing to go somewhere else uh, because he saw that here his contract, this team is not working. And so pushing. Uh, like the deadline uh, one year ahead with putting maybe Billy in a position where he has to fight for for his coaching career, well, sort of, NBA coaching career, I don't think it's a bad idea. But again, um, I would, and I think Sam will as well, I will take a deep look at the coaching market and see if the, per- the perfect fit is there. Because maybe it is. and mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure that uh, Sam is doing those, um, say, side interviews or or whatever, um, because I mean, otherwise we would have like we would have the the the, the final word uh, on Billy and and we didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, a really good point about today is I Sam was extremely realistic. I thought that his his thoughts were based in reality. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not a guy that is like super reactionary to things. He makes big moves because he wants to improve the team, but I don't think that he's like a reactionary 
guy. I think he takes a good look at something and will decide what works and what doesn't. Um, and he, he said that they got their, their butts kicked in the playoffs, and he's aware of that. He wasn't, like, trying to sugarcoat any of it, saying that, like, oh, we were really close, and if we would have had, like, a couple things go our way, you know, here we are in the second round. Like, he never even hinted at that, which I think was really good, um, at least for the leadership of this franchise, that they know exactly where they're at. And he even said, like, I need to figure out how, if, how good this team even is, you know? Mm-hmm. And which I think is... That, that, to me, is the question. Like, how good is this team? That's a question they have to evaluate. I think it's something that we've been evaluating. I think they're a good team. I do. I just think that there are mental issues afoot with this team, and you have to wonder, is that a Billy change? Is that a change that Russell needs to make internally? Is that a... We don't, we don't have enough shooting around these guys to make it work like it should anyways type of thing or you know what is it what what is it and you know sam said he doesn't know the answer to that and he said if i did know the answer all along you shouldn't listen to me anyways and so he's got to go through his evaluations with his team they have the nba draft where they can address an issue they have free agency where they can address issues and they have trades where they can address issues. And the Thunder likely will use all three in order to try to improve this team. And, you know, Sam did talk about how shooting is something they needed to address, that he he's a strong believer in Alex Abrinas, and that did not work, obviously. That did not work out this mm-hmm. season. And he did not have a good plan, which is good to hear that he was like, you know, he – really thought Nader did a good job in his stead. Like, no. Like, he basically said there was nothing behind him that worked, which is good to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah. I was not not going to be excited if he had mentioned Nader in a positive light, which he really didn't. Uh, yeah. He did mention him. So, like, he, he went through this thing where he mentioned, like, Amadou Diallo played and even started some games early on in the season, really helped us win. He said Deontay Burton helped us win in Houston. He helped us beat Portland here at home. He He played really well. He said... Nader came out and contributed in ways or something to that effect where it was like, yep, that's it. That's it right there, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, like, I thought all of that was good. Like, I thought his whole demeanor, his mindset beyond, behind the team and their direction I thought was really good and grounded in reality. He didn't say a whole, a whole lot, um, but I think a lot of people were kind of expecting a kind of bigger things today. Um, Mm -hmm. But to me, one, that he knows exactly, seems to know exactly where they're at as far as, like, his thoughts are based in reality, that this team disappointed, they're not as, probably not as good as we think they are, and they need shooting. Like, I think he addressed all those things, which is good. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, I, I, to say uh, that you don't know how if this team is good enough things can change pretty quickly uh, while you were talking i was looking into james harden's stats and i was looking into his 15 16 stats and i was surprised these are are not really different from the one that he has today or at least not that different to justify like 10 games more or 13, like this season. James Harden was um, roughly the same field goal percentage, uh, five field goal less, 
uh, a little bit less efficient, 29 points per game in 2016, uh, 15-16. And his team was 41 and 41. Uh, that was before Mike D'Antoni and before trading away uh, Dwight Howard. And when we forecasted the next season, I remember us saying, well, who knows uh, who James Harden is as a player? Yeah. Uh, who knows he if he will bounce back after two years of really subpar uh, playoff runs, uh, really subpar uh, effort in terms of uh, defense in terms of he was laughable on defense. I remember uh, watching clips of him just standing mid court, uh, like with no purpose on defense. And that team, in one summer, changed a whole lot. And yep. there weren't like many big moves. Like it was really getting rid of Dwight Howard, which is a big move, <laughs> and changing the coach and giving the ball to. To harden way more yeah and and now the locker so, room doesn't smell like a fart anymore yeah exactly uh maybe that is not the change that okc wants to do uh but it takes like one guy maybe to fix uh your core and, yeah. and sam was right i mean what if maybe the, the the mistake the sam is alluding to is maybe i should have promised wes matthew to start a job mm-hmm and everything would have changed. Uh, maybe someone like Wes Matthews is available next season and that will, could propel a very different season. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's really hard to say when you have two All-Stars, when you have Steven Adams that in the first part of the season was so good, when you have two guys or three guys that are uh, 25 or, or lower, to, to project how they will be um, uh, in September. Mm-hmm. Because it, it really takes, like, what if Shooter becomes a 37% three-point shooter? Or 36% three-point shooter? What if Russ decides that he he goes back to, to, to play the shooting guard position more mm-hmm. and focus on spot-ups? Like, those things can happen uh, in, one se- in, in one summer. I, I wouldn't bet my, my house on those, but maybe there is a move out there that Sam, that Sam has in mind that can justify keeping this score, keeping Billy, and try to run it back. Mm-hmm. To, to me, if you're keeping the score, you have to find players that fit around them better, and you have to find players that can kind of yeah. un- unlock this team a little bit. And I think the, the Harden comparison with Houston is a is an interesting one. One, it's it's a tough comparison one because like James Harden is a lot better than Russell Westbrook is today, um, yeah. and they're different players. But Sam even brought it up, and Sam like has the answer within this. Is like Russell Westbrook had the you know had the most assists to the corner of anybody in the league this year, and has like okay, well you need a guy that can just is automatic from the corner then right. Like, if you had yeah. a guy that was automatic from the corner, and I can look up real quick where the Thunder are in corner threes and where everybody is in corner threes, but they don't exactly have a guy that just sits over there and is shooting, you know, 50% from the corners, which is what mm-hmm. they really need. Like, they, I think that that is, and, and Jeremy was about as close as he can be to that. I think that they got kind of the best-case scenario this season among their role players as far as mm-hmm. the, the three ball went. Uh but they're still missing that. And that's where 
I still think like having a shooting big, it doesn't have to be trading Steven, but it does. They, I feel like they need a shooting center for this roster because I, I to, to me, you need as much shooting on the floor to kind of activate this team to like the best case offensive scenario. You don't have to sacrifice a ton of defense with that. And guys are like teams are making it work. Like look at, in the playoffs right now. Like teams are making it work with guys that just aren't the greatest defenders in the world. Like you you can make it work. Um, but to me, if you're going to unlock Russell Westbrook as an offensive player, you don't give him space. You basically let him operate as he would, and he's not going to see a whole lot out there to do whenever you have guys that aren't being guarded. Like he's going to take bad shots. But I just wonder. If the floor is completely spaced and he has guys that have to be guarded and they have to make choices, one, I think obviously the lane opens up, but two, like he's going to want to find those guys. Like he wants to find Paul George. Like go look at the passing and assist numbers that he has to Paul George. Like the dude wants to find Paul George and he wants to make him better. You can just, you can find the numbers and see that. How many other guys on the team are there like that? I'm not saying that you have to go find a guy like Paul George, but I think that even Alex, like I think Alex was a guy that Russell was always looking for, and he went to him for two game winners. He missed them both, but he went to him. And like that, that to me says something like, that they need. Like if Russell has guys out there that he knows can just flat out shoot the rock, I think that that would change the center team a little bit. And they're going to have to back off of there. We only need like big athletic lengthy guys because the guys that are like that and can also shoot they're called stars (laughs) you know i mean it's just they're just they're too difficult to find that way and i think that you know maybe they can go get a west matthews or somebody similar to that but they need just a they need knockdown shooters to play with russell westbrook because he's not a guy that's gonna is a knockdown shooter at all himself and James Harden, man, like he he showed this season, he can play with just about anybody. But also, Daryl Morey like knows the type of players that are going to thrive next to him, and knows the type of players that are very helpful to their offense. And he goes and he and he finds those type of guys. It's guys that can just shoot it. And so, like Gerald Green plays for that Rockets team. Is Gerald Green a good defender? Heck no. Like he's oftentimes detrimental to the defense, but he's good enough of a shooter that it kind of offsets things and i think the thunder are probably just in a position where they need to go find guys that can shoot it and that's that's not a this is not a revolutionary take but i think from the big positions and guys that are going to sit in the corners like they just have to find guys that can shoot it i have those shooting numbers real quick yeah me too i'm talking way too much sorry (laughs) um Mm -hmm. paul george 42 percent from the corners ferguson 40 ray 40 Jeremy 39 and then Dennis 38 like those are like those are decent numbers but like you have to remember like this is the easiest three-point shot in the game and to not have a guy over 42 percent is tough because those above the break threes will gladly bring your averages down you know and all those guys take them um but man they just need guys that can shoot it a little bit better from the corner a guy that is like 50 ish percent from the corners I think is really what Thunder need yeah, and I was looking where they are in terms of um, league averages. Yeah. And in terms of attempts, uh, Sam is dead right. I mean, uh, OKC is in the top eight of the left corner trees at 4.1 attempts per game. Mm-hmm. The leading Jazz is 5.2. But the problem is that the Jazz are shooting 39%, uh, which is basically around league average, while OKC from the left corner is shooting 34.9%. Yeah, that's not great. 
that is not great. That is really not great. It's um, basically 26 in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the right corner, um, they are even uh, like higher in terms of attempts. They are tied with uh, the Toronto Raptors at 4.7 attempts from the right corner. And there, the percentage are better, 39.9%. Um, so I don't know why these numbers are so skewed in terms mm-hmm. of per- percentage. Maybe Ferg uh, shoots way better from the right corner or just other shooters uh, like PG shots more from the right corner. Maybe so. Uh, like a lot of ATOs goes uh, to PG in the right corner. And so maybe that is um, that is the reason. I don't know. Um, but surely enough, like if you have... If you have that number a little bit more, it changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, get to I don't know half a tree more, get to um, 39, 40 percent from the corner, and you get two points of net rating for free because those right. shots that you were generating are already there in your um, in your arsenal in the way you you attack the basket, you 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 attack uh, the other team. So, um, I mean. One thing that really didn't work about this season is the way uh, Patrick Patterson played. Yeah. I mean, that was a real bummer because they were, like he went through a, a big change in the offseason. He was really pumped at the beginning. We were really pumped at the beginning. And then it melted down in four <laughs> games. And Billy really pulled, yeah. pulled the plug uh, early. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know. We need to find like uh, a better version of Patrick Patterson out there to knock down trees, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe tweak the rotation a bit where Russ plays uh, with a five-out unit and and PG plays more with with uh, Steven and and Schroeder. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but again, uh, there are tweaks uh, that can be found out there, and we'll we'll have like the whole summer to uh, to discuss those. But right. I think that one of the most interesting thing was maybe Steven is really going to take trees. Yeah, that was super interesting. Before we get to yeah. that, you know what else is interesting? Is betonline.ag? It's betonline.ag. It's the only place where you can get all of these things. Sports casino, virtual casino, all these things on betonline.ag. It's the number one place to get those things. You can go to our own url clns.com backslash okc to get a 50 percent sign up bonus that's at betonline.ag so matchup of the week uh i'm super duper interested and i know that maybe thunder fans this kind of hurts but i'm just interested to see what this portland denver matchup looks like um because i we watched Portland just completely trounce the Thunder. And so I'm interested to see what Dame does against this Denver team. So to me, that's the matchup of the week. I'd be betting, I'm not betting against Dame for what he did to the Thunder. Uh, but go to betonline.ag. That's your online sportsbook experts. Go to our URL. That's clnsmedia.com backslash OKC for your 50% cashback bonus on your first deposit. So please go do that and support the people that support down to dunk. Now on to Steven. So yeah, what are, what are your, so really yeah, go ahead and give a quick overview of what Sam said, and then we can dive into it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I cannot go words for words, but he said that maybe Steven will have that development this summer. Uh, he didn't specify this summer, but he said that maybe Steve will have that kind of development that helps um, spacing. And this is the second time uh, in the off-season, in the like post-season interview, um, where someone, the first time was Steven, and now Billy says, like alludes that Steven can actually uh, take trees. Uh, he said that, um, Sam said that Steven um, is taking trees regularly in uh, um, in training and during like shooting session and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, that will help some. Um, yeah. You you don't want to um, to have that as the only weapon of Steven, but if you have a reliable shot from the top of the key you don't have to to do more you don't have to have steven uh spotting up um like in the corners well maybe in the corners but it's it's more like a, a pick and pop situation to me mm-hmm. um where if if the big needs to be aware of steven out there then you have something mm-hmm. um you don't want to have steven all the way out of the three point uh, three point line because you need his offensive rebounds uh, which are extremely crucial uh, for what OKC wants to do. But to have something different, to have something um, that you can get to uh, in pick and rolls, that really helps. Mm-hmm. And Sam said, like, we all know. Like, everybody in this room knows he can shoot it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. Like, I've seen him take and make a lot of threes. Uh, and we've we've been saying this for a while. Like if he's going to take threes, it's not going to be like this progression of like, Oh, now he takes 15 footers and now he's moving a little bit further back. It's probably just going to be that he's taking shots at the rim and he's taking threes. And I think it's time. Like I just, I, I, to me, if this, either they need to trade Steven or they need him to evolve. They need him to shoot a corner three or above the break three or something. Like it's just got to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for this team to evolve to the next phase of who they're going to be, because it just it just can't work. And I do worry, and maybe some of the guys that have put this in their game should ease my worries a little bit. But my concern is like, what if he shoots twenty nine percent from three, and nobody guards him anyways? You know, then you're just taking away offensive rebounds for for what reason? You know what I mean? It's like that, yeah. that to me is the concern, but we have seen guys like Brooke Lopez was not a guy that shot threes. Like complete, that's obviously a part of his game. Um, and Marcus Saul was a guy that never shot threes. And then uh, he started and now he's a guy that will take a few a game. And I do think it would transform the Thunder offense. If he was a guy that could knock him down, even at 32 or 33%, like that to me is good enough. And if you can hit threes at that rate and kind of change the Thunder offense where they're not having to, like, any big knows. All I have to do, like, I'm not moving within this five-foot radius, you know, when I'm guarding Steven Adams. Like, not, there's not a lot of movement. But if you're having to guard him on the pop and you're having to account for it, just it gives you one more thing the defense has to account for. And to me... The Thunder offense needs that more. And then if you also had a knockdown shooter in the corner that maybe they acquire or the, the, somehow they get another three-point shooter, I mean, that changes the equation a lot for this team. And so it was interesting that Sam hinted at that because, to me, 
I, I just don't know that you can have a non-shooting big with Russell Westbrook, and that's maybe I'm wrong about that. Like I, I'm open to being wrong about that, but to me, that that seems to be one of the major issues with this team fundamentally. Yeah, there is something to be said though um, that Presti alluded to, and the main issue with Simon is his free throw shooting. Yeah, and and that and that is where I. I would love to see him shooting trees with success, but his free throw shooting ha- have nothing in common to the percentage of Brook Lopez, of um, Marcus All. Marcus All, yeah. Yeah, so those are players that were in the 70s yep. uh, in terms of um, in terms of free throw shooting. And so uh, there is where I, th- I have to see it before I believe it. Yep. Uh, even Serge... Um, that became a three-point shooter in his career. He was around 70 in his lowest year. Well, the first year was 63%. Probably Steven's best year is um, 63%. And so maybe the fact that he's not shooting uh, mid-ranges in practice or that he just focuses on other things is the reason why he doesn't shoot the free throw very, very well. Mm-hmm. But but there is a correlation between free throw shooting and uh, and shooting in general and yeah. shooting in general. Look That's at true. Russ, right. the free throw shooting went down and everything went down for him. Yeah. Uh, there is a, there is a real correlation. Well, and even in the playoffs, uh, like his three point his free throw shooting went up and like he shot the ball better. He shot better yeah. from three. Yeah, he didn't shoot better overall. From the field, he struggled in spots, but I think that's a shot selection thing. I think it's more of a shot selection thing than it is a shot ability to make shots thing, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And going back to your uh, assessment about being uh, not able to play Steven and Russ together, there is a way to do that, and it is having two reliable spacer plus Paul George. Mm-hmm. Because when you have that, no it's it doesn't really matter if you have um like a non-shooting duo in terms of pick and roll it matters some but when steven had that push shot from like seven to eight feet nine feet ten feet something like that that is enough Mm -hmm. you have enough space the issue is a russ needs to be mindful about about the fact that he will have more space and still trying to find someone because if he doesn't have the double team immediately Paul George with the ball in his hands in one-on-one will be doubled one way or the other Mm -hmm. and so you you will have space if those other two uh, shooters are reliable enough and have enough volume and that is the key Mm -hmm. you need to give Terrence Ferguson and Jeremy Grant volume from three they need to attempt 10 trees together that is that is something that your offense should plan for, like ten at least ten trees to other guys. And if if it's not um, uh, Ferguson and Grant, it needs to be Russell Westbrook from the corners. It needs to be Dennis Schroeder from the corner. Those are the type of shots that you need to get. And if every player on your team is uh, used to take corner trees and your team is looking for those then you will have a spread pick and roll Mm -hmm. where if even if the big drops you have enough space because the other three defenders are like far away and that Mm -hmm. happened in the um, that didn't happen in the first uh, round with Borden because 
they decide to pack the paint and no one made them pay. And no. so, yes, if you, if in the first game, Ferg and Grant goes, um, say, five from ten, uh, from three, you win that game easily. Mm-hmm. And next next game, Portland will change the defense. Like, they will be way closer to those players, and therefore, Russ and Steven will have more, more space to operate. And last thing, and then, because I'm really talking too much, uh, you can run Steve, Steve and PG's pick and roll. Yep. With Russ in the corner, Russ from the corner is like more than thirty-five percent on, uh, on a, like a minimal number of attempts, but he's really good from the corners. Yeah, and like so why not so, give yourself that look? You know, and and you can do this the Steph Curry, where right. you run a, you run a pick and roll, you sprint to the corner, and you space the floor there because they will close on Russ from yeah. the corner. We've been talking and, about that for five years, though. Yeah, <laughs> since we we wrote the the article for Vantage Sports back in the day about like the amount of screens that you know Russ sets and the amount of screens that Steph Curry sets and good you know, times, huh? Good times. Uh, I think the team that this that the Thunder need to look at most this offseason is Milwaukee mm-hmm. and the transformation that they made from last year to this year. And it's funny that like Budenholzer is the guy that was brought up by Schroeder as far as like the coaching comparison, because that's just the, mm-hmm. the two coaches that he's had. But I don't think that you have to go get another coach to make this transformation. I think that it, what they did was, is they just put a ton of shooting around um, Giannis and they have guys that make corner three. Sterling Brown, 52% from the corners. Malcolm Brogdon, 50% from the corners. Nico Miritich, 46.7% from the corner. Tony Snell, 43% from the corner. Brooke Lopez, 39. DJ Wilson, 38. Like, that's... We're in almost double digits of guys that are shooting well from the corners for that team. And that's what this team does, is that they have a guy in Giannis who is incredibly unique. There's nobody else like him in the league, but... Russell Westbrook has has probably got to play more like Giannis than he did this season, where he's just relentlessly attacking, trying to create things. But when you have guys that if if the defense isn't collapsing on you, you don't have a lot to create. And so I just and Sam addressed that today. Sam knows they have to go get a shooter that they need a knockdown shooter, and that will change things. Like if you have a knockdown shooter that plays twenty minutes a game, that's huge. It's huge for this mm-hmm. team because that guy will play with Russell. That guy will play with Paul. And then it is disappointing that, it's, that it wasn't Alex. And it's highly disappointing for the team, highly disappointing that you know whatever happened to Alex, which he still hasn't addressed, happened to him. I feel bad for him as a, as a person. But honestly, like they were closing games with him. They were, oh, yeah. I mean, you have to rewind back and think about how important that role is to this team. And that they wanted to have a team that had a knockdown shooter to to play with them. And he was playing a lot with them. He was closing games. He was a huge part. And Sam knows that. And Sam said he failed. Like, he failed in that aspect, which is true. So, that to me, that's a big takeaway today. I think the biggest takeaway is, one, really seems like Billy's staying. Two, they want to go find another knockdown shooter and probably more than that. Um, and then three, like Russell Westbrook is the unquestioned leader of this team and he will be going forward. They're not going to, it doesn't seem like they would consider moving on from him. 
but Sam also knows that this team was really bad at the end of the season. He talked about that stretch, that 30% stretch, where they're, for 30% of the season they were awful, and he doesn't know why. And so he said that his kind of mission is to figure out why and try to correct that. And maybe he comes to the conclusion that it was Billy, and then they talk and part ways. Maybe he comes to the conclusion that it's the roster construction. I don't know. I don't know what conclusion he's going to draw. But to me, I don't see. And Sam has never been this guy anyway, so like this isn't <laughs> this isn't like a huge breakthrough here. But Sam's not going to sit on his hands and just say like no. I, they're going to get better internally or whatever. Like that's not what he's going to do. I expect action. I expect that we'll have emergency podcasts this summer where we talk about the acquisition of somebody, and it will be. I think it's highly interesting because this team is they're at a crossroads of sorts to me of the the style of play, who they are, their identity and how they achieve who they were for a good portion of the season. How do they how do they get that for 82 games or at least a semblance of that for 82 games because it's been two seasons in a row that they've had this significant drop off after about 70% of the season and then they're grasping for who they are, what they're supposed to do, and then they get into this playoff series, and they were grasping for it. They weren't the same team from game to game. They didn't know who they were from game to game. They changed it. And you can't do that. You can't get to the playoffs and be like, all right, let's figure out who we are tonight kind of thing. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's that's why they lost. That's why they lost. It's not talent. It wasn't a talent gap. The, th- the Thunder are more talented than the Blazers. Like, period. Yeah. Like, there's no question. From top to bottom, they're more talented. But it was more of an identity and, a, and their mission. And, and Sam talked about, like, being emotional versus, what was the other word he said? So, um, inspired. Inspired. Like, so I li- was it? I li- yeah. I don't remember. I like the distinction of that being, like, he said emotional teams are easy to beat. And I think that you can absolutely characterize this team as an emotional team. They are. They're highly emotional. Mm-hmm. Versus inspired, because you did see sections of the of the season where you'd say they're playing inspired basketball. They know what their mission is. And they're going out there and they're executing it to perfection, and they're playing to a high level. At the end of mm-hmm. the season and even into the playoffs, you saw it was they were just an emotional group led by Mister Emotional Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I. I completely agree. I mean, um, that that is where I I can still stand by uh, Russ uh, as a leader. I know that he messed up uh, the last two years in the playoffs. I know that uh, everything uh, like went wrong <laughs> over the last two years, but still he he gives a lot on the court. Yeah. And and when he's inspired, the team is inspired. Yeah. And the same goes with PG. And so maybe the solution next year is to is for us to do as it was at the beginning of the season is to try to inspire PG at the highest level because that is something that he can do very well. Yeah. He can play to feed PG. He can play to um, to fire PG. Uh, like not to fire to um, like to put fire in PG. Yeah, fire him um, up. Yeah, fire him up. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. Um, long day uh, and. Um, and so that is the inspiring version of Westbrook that I think uh, OKC should um, try uh, to, to, um, to, to to flourish next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think this team was ever in a position where they were going to jump ship from Russ. I really just don't think they were. I think that 
as people that are sometimes I think we're too close to the situation, you know, if you know what I mean. Um, and it's really hard. Sometimes it's hard to get perspective. And I think Sam is somebody that's good at that. And his perspective today is um, Russell has been incredibly helpful to this franchise for the 11 years he's been here. And this team was this team got their butt kicked in the playoffs, you know. And it's like those you have to know both of those things, you know, if you're in his spot. And uh, to me, it's just good that the the team, the organization knows. To me, I leave today knowing the team knows exactly where they're at, and they have to figure out a plan. They don't have a plan yet. Obviously, it's only been a few days since all this has been over. It feels like a lot longer than that, but it really hasn't been that long since this has all ended uh, for the Thunder. But they're just they're in a spot where they've got to figure something out. And I, you know, if if you want anybody that has to figure something out, to me, like Sam Presti is one of the guys in the league that you would want at the helm. And so uh, I felt slightly encouraged today. And also, it would be you know, a lot of people were saying like, you know. Billy can get fired and all these things are going to happen today. It's like, no, like Sam's a lot more steady than that. You know, yeah. he's a lot more thoughtful yeah. than that. And so, I mean, and if you go back to Scott Brooks was fired, I mean, honestly, the reason he was fired is because Billy Donovan was available. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I, I think that if they are going to let Billy go, it's because there is a coach out there that they're, that they can look at and say, that guy is going to make us better. That yep. guy's going to help us, and I, you know, we've we've texted a lot about it. Like, who's out there where you can definitively say that? And yeah. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know that there's definitely that guy out there. And so, um, and if you are curious to know what names have been mentioned in that chat, you will never know because. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way i have the real solution to our problems in terms okay. of team can, okay. I, can i go for that yeah so there is a player uh who shot um for the season 62 percent uh from less than five feet on two attempts good okay. right very okay. good uh then he should like um 40 45 and 50 from five to nine then uh, 10 to 15 and 15 to 19 that's Pretty good, right? On two attempts. And 39% on five attempts from 20 feet, 25 to 29 feet. That's pretty interesting, right? Can you name the player? I, I will. I, I, I skipped the part where he shots like 18% from 20 to 24 feet. But <laughs> let's... let's <laughs> Do you want name? No, 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 no. 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 It's, it's way more sillier than that. No, I don't know then. It's Carmelo. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> These are good numbers. I think our pod's over. I think our pod <laughs> just ended. <laughs> like, I, I was looking into shooters uh, with range, and Melo yeah. shot, like, really well <laughs> from three. Um, yeah. Poor Melo. Out of the league. Out of the league. I, I really hope for him to go to China. Uh, but there are names, like Terrence Ross, 38% over uh, 25 feet. He'd be um, awesome. JJ Redick. Um, there are plenty of names. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, Trevor Ariza will be a free agent. Nico Mirotic will be a free agent. There are guys. Yeah. Uh, it takes creativity and maybe a bit of luck, but like there are shooters out there. 
and that should be the mission of this team. Like, cool if you can get Stephen Adams to shoot threes. Cool, great. Like, that's not enough. Like, you got it. You got to get more. Like, they just have to have more. And that's, I mean, that's honestly what the Bucks did. They got Ilyasova. They got all. Like, they got everybody. Like, they just said, we're going to load this team up with guys that are good enough on defense but can really shoot the basketball. And that's, to me, the Budenholzer deserves a lot of credit for the offense that they have and the success that they've had, yes. But to me, it's more roster construction and roster awareness and star awareness. Like, who who is who compliments these guys? And I think the Thunder have had, obviously, a lot of success, but I think there's also some work to be done on who uh you know who they could get that would compliment them and it's it's way easier said than done way way easier said than done because i mean they i mean the name west matthews was said twice today in the press conference Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. like everybody obviously that would have been an amazing pickup for the thunder and we may have a different situation on our hands moving forward one because west is good and another because he's like he's a good proven leader that has experience and I, I think the Thunder lack that to a degree as well. And if they can get a guy that can play a significant role, that can be that type of guy. Maybe, heck, maybe the guy is Wes Matthews. Maybe he said it enough today, Sam did, to where he's going to be making a ton of calls to Wes and saying, dude, listen, you can play 25 minutes here a night at both forward positions. You can be the backup two. You can be the backup three. You can close for us. You can play some at small ball four. Like, we just want to – we want you to play. We want to use you because we know that you're a knockdown shooter. And obviously a guy that can also play defense as well. And so, I mean, like, they're going to address it. And is t- today for Thunder fans is a little frustrating because you want action. When you're frustrated with your team, whenever you think they're not good enough, you want action. I get it. I'm with you standing right there with you i get it but this team has always been more process oriented always 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 and they have to go through their process and i think that we'll see in the draft they i will be shocked if they don't make some sort of trade and they're going to try to use free agency uh in order to address some issues so uh that's where we are today anything else that was pressing to you today no I I don't think so. I mean, we covered uh, in good details uh, yeah. that, and and Sam is pretty like um, when you when you have like an hour and what was that? An hour and twenty? Hour and twelve minutes? Hour yeah. and twelve? Yeah. Dude, and, and plus, it's so long. It's a long time to yeah. hold your phone up. I was holding my phone up the whole time. <laughs> I was getting. I was getting. So yeah, I periscoped the whole thing. I was. Yeah. I was no, no. I mean, you, you were holding. I was I holding. Thought you had like. Oh wow. No, I was I'm holding impressed it. with you. Thank you. I've really been working on my uh, forearm strength. I already had it. I already had a little bit of it because I play the guitar, and that just kind of lends itself to it. But um, my That's forearm impressive. strength was it was definitely tested today. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Okay. Well, we have a lot more to talk about for the off season, but we'll leave this here. I am going to attach Sam Presti's interview at the end of this, so. When you see that this is a two-hour-long podcast, it's not just us. You're going to hear Sam talk uh, and his in, with the entire thing. So I, I, I don't know if to me, like I just I'm putting that there just because I would like to have that if I were listening to Thunder podcasts and not doing them. And so here you go, you guys can have it. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast today. 
Uh, follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can follow our show at Down to Dunk. Uh, leave us a five-star iTunes review. You guys have still been great at that. Uh, I read all of them. I see all of them. They mean a lot to me. There's been suggestions in there that I take to heart, um, and I appreciate them. And so please uh, continue to do that. Hope you guys have a great Monday. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday with Alex Spears. Good afternoon. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. A little, little audience participation. Um, so just want to thank everybody for coming. Um, as I do at the start of uh, every one of these end-of-season press conferences, i just like to get a few thank yous. Uh, out into the ether, and then I'd like to um, review the year, talk about the future, and then let you guys fire away any questions you might have to, to ask me. I'll stay here as long as uh, as long as you'd like. Um, so first, I want to thank the basketball operations staff. Um, it's a tremendous group of people, uh, incredibly dedicated, and it's a true privilege for me to come to work every day with such a great group. Uh, I do think the family atmosphere that's been created here is a byproduct of the community that we that we live in, and that makes it possible. I also want to thank the business staff. They do uh, an incredible job um, supporting our players, creating a great environment for our fans. Uh, it's a thankless job and one that they deserve a ton of credit for uh, as we end uh, year 11, roll into year 12. want to thank our fans from all over the world. Uh, for their support over the last 11 years and into um, year 12. Uh, it's impossible to make anything happen without that type of support, and we're grateful. Our sponsors, obviously, it's a critical, critical aspect of things for us here in Oklahoma City is the second smallest market in the league. <clears throat> We've been blessed to have tremendous corporate support, and um, we're incredibly grateful for them as well. And then as I thank you guys uh, every year, I want to thank the media for the way you guys do your jobs. Uh, we know you have a job to do. Uh, respect the job you have to do, especially in a changing environment with all these new mediums and technologies. And we've got 400 iPhones looking at me right now, not people. Um, but that's where we are. And uh, I just we're grateful for the relationship and the way you guys uh, have, have <coughs> covered the team, uh, not just this year, but over the years. Um, one thing I did want to note before I jump right into the season and, uh, is just, you know, in thanking everybody while I was writing that out, um, it, it made me think about the fact that what, this, what the team stands for, what the Thunder stands for, is something that um, people in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma can really come together over. It's been a huge driver for so many different things, economically, socially, um, and all those things are critical going forward. But that doesn't happen without all the people we just mentioned. Not just the organization, players, staff, ownership, etc., but also just you guys in the media, the sponsors, the fans. Everyone comes together to make it something special. And um, we're really grateful to be a part of that and privileged to be a part of that. So I want to thank everybody for creating something that everyone in the city and in the state can come come together over. Uh, with respect to the season, uh, obviously we're, we're disappointed that we are not still playing, just like every team that is not in the playoffs anymore. Um, if I had to define the year in a couple words, I would say capability and inconsistency. 
for 70% of this past season, we were playing at an extremely high level. And um, I felt like we were playing some of the better basketball that we've seen in Oklahoma City, just with respect to the style of play goals we laid out, the uh, defensive improvement that we tried to establish from last year to this year, uh, pace of play, uh, athleticism. I really felt like the players and the coaches were doing an excellent job of that. And they created an extremely high standard. We were on our way to uh, having the third best record in the league against the top 10 teams in the league. We were playing um, a really balanced game. And, you know, unfortunately, that seems like a long time ago uh, because 30% of the year or so, um, you know, we struggled to meet our own standard, you know. And that's, I think I use the word disappointing. I think disappointing is the end. I would use the word frustrating to define really the month of March because when you show that you're capable and you come into the year with a, with, a, with a vision or a plan for how you want to try to be better from one year to the next and you're executing and you come back and you're not able to meet that, I mean, that's something we have to own. That's also frustrating because you know what you're capable of and you're not able to uh, reconnect with that. Um, so the month of March is probably the thing that um, we'll look at the closest I mean, that's one of the things when I <clears throat> put our record up on the board um, during the exit interviews, uh, pre-All-Star, post-All-Star, you know, 38 and 20, uh, and then 11 and 13, but really 6 and 13 in the month of March before we won five in a row heading into the playoffs. Um, but unfortunately, that last little stretch there wasn't enough to kind of correct ourselves, and, and we ended up getting beat by a really good Portland team. Um, so we have to study that month of March. The process of how we're going to go about that and how we're going to go about all the other aspects of how we create a path forward, um, that's going to be the same as every year. So um, I do think it's important that there is some distance to that because, um, you know, myself included, you know, I'd probably be most focused on the 30% of the year and I'd be working off of, impression, emotion, reaction, um, and, and that isn't necessary. That's probably the most simple way to solve a complex problem, which leads you in most of the time the wrong, the wrong place. So I'll sit down with Billy. I'll sit down, um, let him get away, let him uh, get some thoughts together before we sit down and meet. I'll sit down with Clay, debrief the season like we always do. Uh, all of our evaluators, um, all the different pillars need to uh, take a look at the year as a whole. We'll come back. We'll sort it out like we always do. Uh, we'll create a plan, um, try to find a path forward, and we'll we'll get to work. Um, as I said earlier, we're not looking to be fast. We're not looking to be quick. We're looking to be rigorous. We're looking to be the same problem-solving group that we have been over the years, which is pretty methodical. Um, and we just don't have the liberty to be... Um, I would say, kind of momentary problem solvers. Like we have to look at it a little deeper. Um, with respect to the team, um, so coming into the year, I felt like we were positioned pretty well from a depth standpoint. Um, last year when we sat here, we, you know, I think majority of the questions were about our defense in the second half. So we really focused on that. Um, and I felt like we had really good redundancy behind Robertson. Uh, in the event he was slow to return, obviously we couldn't have foreseen that he was going to miss the whole year. But, And I thought 
Ferguson and Diallo uh, during the first part of the year did an excellent job. We ended up as the fourth best defense in the league, and that's with pretty big slippage in the month of March. Um, you know, I think if we were more consistent in that month, we might have been a little bit higher, but top five is obviously good enough. Um, and I thought Ferg and, and, and Diallo and some other guys all stepped up. Uh, the spot on the roster, to me, that we didn't have redundancy um, and continued um, support was when we lost Alex. And that's on me. That's on me. Um, I thought Alex was going to have a, of a breakout year, to be honest with you, and be a pretty big part to this team. Um, he made huge strides. And, um, you know, when we lost him, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in the end of February, you know, we were 18 games over 500. We we're playing really well. Um, and, or excuse me, it was a little bit before that, we're 18 games over 500. Um, but once we got into March, we started, to, we started to feel his absence more. And I didn't have somebody else that could step in that was sitting on the end of the bench. And um, as I said before, once, uh, once Wes Matthews went to Indiana, you know, there really wasn't a lot of other options out there. And that put some stress on us uh, offensively. And that's, you know, you never want to be in that position. But um, there's no perfect team. And as I said earlier, um, majority of the questions last year about the defense, getting that corrected, I felt like even with the hit we took with Dre, you know, we had some guys to step up, and I think the players and coaches did a pretty good job overall getting ourselves to be a top-five defense. But you're not going to solve one thing without creating another situation somewhere else. And um, you know that's, uh, that's something we'll have to continue to look at, and I'm sure you guys have plenty of questions about that. I'm happy to answer them. Um, as we look into the offseason, the key for us, it always is the same. It's, okay, how do we create a path forward? How do we create as many options as possible? Um, I, you know, to be honest with you, going into year 12 after 11 years and being in the playoffs 9 out of 10 years uh, with changes uh, all around us, it, it gets harder and harder, you know. But if I sat here last year, um, I wouldn't have been able to foresee or predict, you know, what we'd been able to do at that point in time. So I can't tell you, you know, you know what that looks like I can only tell you that we're going to look for literally every single way to improve the team uh, both externally and internally but that's no different and um, I personally I, I love the puzzle I love the challenge I love this time of year uh, I love the opportunity to be with the people that I work with to try to solve these things um, you know and you know there's a there's a price to the longevity that we've that we've established and we got to keep we got to keep grinding and figure out ways to make it last longer. Um, this will be the first time in four years that we aren't entering the summer trying to convince a franchise player not to go to a bigger market. So I'd say that's welcome on our end of things. Um, you know, when you're going through those things, I think it's relatively unprecedented that an organization has faced that four years in a row. Um, I'm proud of the way we've navigated that, even though sometimes it hasn't gone our way. Um, and, you know, you do things and you stress yourself and you push yourself and, um, you know, trying to convince those guys to, to stay is, is, is a challenge. The fact that we have uh, Russ, Paul, uh, Stephen, Terrence, Dennis, Jeremy, um, you know, really the, the, the core of the team, the guys that play the minutes um, under contract is a stability that we welcome and it allows us to go into the off scene with a little bit of a different perspective than we've had in the past. Um, and that's helpful because I think more than likely 
based on um, kind of where we are strategically, like our greatest path for improvement is going to be the improvement of our core group. And that improvement is probably going to be um, greater than any type of impact that we're going to be able to have with like a marginal addition here or there when you kind of think about the group that's returning and the fact that we primarily play nine guys. So, um, you know, we'll look at everything external. We'll beat the bushes like we always do. Uh, you know, if I sat here last year, I didn't think Nerlens Noel would be playing for us. He was a big factor on our defense being what it was. Uh, you know, I had no idea that we'd end up with Dennis Schroeder in August. So you just got to work the plan. Uh, you've got to be consistent. And uh, in our case, what works for us is being pretty methodical, you know. So um, just in closing, um, I would just say, look, um, you know, we've established a certain standard here over 10 years, averaging 52 and a half wins per season. Um, you know, second best net rating in the league over the last 10 years. Um, and we're disappointed that we're not, you know, still playing. At the same time, we have to take, you know, ownership over that. And we've got to ha- take a hard look at, like, where we are as a team, what the options are, and look at those and, and see how we can make it better. Um, but that's part of competition. And I'm happy to answer any questions. So you talked about how had the, the great start and then obviously March came. Is there anything from your point of view, from what you saw, that uh, brought about that 6 and 13? Well, I mean, <clears throat> Mike, I think that's the actual, that's the crux of the question for me. Um, before we can even start thinking about, like, how do we solve for that? The We don't have the liberty of just making in, like, a snap reaction or coming in with an emotional, you know, uh, vantage point. If we did, we'd think we'd forget the fact that, you know, we were one, whatever, 11 and 12, Paul George was going to be the MVP. Um, you know, we're going into Toronto and winning. We're going into Golden State and winning, going into Houston and winning, you know, beat Milwaukee. Um, you know, we played really well. That seems far, far away. So um, I don't think you can discount the fact that we got our ass kicked in the playoffs. That's There's no getting around that. But I think anyone objective and anybody that um, is more than a momentary problem solver would probably take a step back and look at the whole thing. To, say, to, to, to try to answer your question is to say, I don't have that answer, and I would think that if I did, you shouldn't listen to me because I would just be coming in here with an emotional perspective, which, like, as a leader, I can't do that. Sam, you said you will give Billy some distance and you guys will talk. Can you just clarify what his status is? Sure, sure, yeah. So, you know, we anticipate Billy being back. Um, if anything were to change on that, we would have we would have let you know, and I know some of you guys have, have had questions about that. Um, but, you know, for us... For me personally, I always think that it's important to give the coach of the team time to reflect and decompress. These jobs are really, really hard. And, um, you know, before you can get into, um, you know, okay, what did we do well? What did we lay out? What could we do better? Um, um, What could we do different? How do you see the team? Um, You know, what did you hear in exit interviews? What did I hear in exit interviews? I think you got to get away from it. Otherwise, you're operating in like you're just being drenched with the end result, which 
matters, but how you got to that point, I think, is equally as important when you're making assessments to inform the future. So we'll do that just like we always do, um, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll inform our off-season planning from there. Last year, you guys started 8-12, you finished 40-22. That's a 65% percentage. The same thing happened this year except it happened at the end of the year. Do you see those two as – is there a common theme with these last two years? I mean, those are really – these are good questions. And I just want to stress to you guys, like, a lot of the questions you have are questions that I have. <laughs> you know, the difference is I'm responsible for – digging into them, understanding them, and evaluating them for more than um, what makes me feel good. You know, I'm not looking to feel good or to justify um, something or validate something. I care so much about this organization and this team. I really want to understand it deeply to the point empirically that I believe it, not just telling myself it must have been this or it must have been that. That's not enough for me. Um, or any of us in the organization. Um, I do think last year we sat here and there was a clear inflection point. All right, we lost Robertson. And at that point, things started to really get destabilized. That didn't happen this year. In fact, I think the players and the coaches deserve a lot of credit for the fact that we came into the season with some stated goals that I uh, voiced, um, you know, on all of our behalf at this table saying listen we need to be an elite defensive team we need to play with great athleticism we need to turn our offense into transition so we can take advantage of the team speed that we have and we need to get Russell as many opportunities at the rim as possible both in transition um, and our other guys you know good looks in transition because if our defense plays to its potential we should be pretty good offensively we wanted to be a ball movement penetration team we wanted to be a team that um, made quick decisions and um, when we did those things, um, for 70% of the season, we were winning at, you know, a high level, you know. I know that seems distant, and I'm not sitting up here trying to tell anybody that we had this brilliant season because I'm not. But I, I also can't sit here and say that we weren't the fifth-best net rating team for 70% of the season or that, um, you know, we – we're pretty hard to play against, home or road. That's what you're looking for. Um, we didn't have an inflection point, like our, an injury. In fact, I, the fact that Dre couldn't come back and we had Terrence step up and had really, where Terrence went from one year to the next is, is pretty impressive. Diallo um, helped us win a lot of games. He was starting. Um, you know, he went through his rookie ups and downs, but he contributed. He stepped up. Schroeder played a lot in that in 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 place of Dre. Um, so there, I don't think there was an inflection point. I think we came out of the break and we just couldn't match that level of intensity or uh, stanchion say intensity more the standard that we ourselves created after the Utah game. So we'll look at that. Some of it, you know, listen, we played tougher teams. You can. There's a million different things. That's why. I need to meet with all the different pillars of the organization because everyone has a perspective and opinion, and I want to listen to those. One thing you did different in March was Paul had a couple of hurt shoulders. Now it seems like he's going into surgery. Could be out of an extended period of time right now. All that's kind of up in the air. But if he is going to miss significant time at the beginning of the season, how do you go about making up for that? Not only 
the offensive end where you guys really struggled down the stretch and especially in the playoffs? Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of hypothetical and speculation in that question. Um, so I would just say, like, in the event that any player is missing time for whatever reason, um, if it's for the birth of a child or it's because they're sick or because they have an injury, like, we'll account for it. We did it with Dre. Um, if it happens to be uh, a player of great magnitude, that's going to be harder for most teams. Um, but we've dealt with it before in the event that that happens. But I'm not going to sit here and pontificate about pontification. You don't have to apologize. Right. But um, you said you anticipate Billy being the coach. D- does that mean that you, he's going to be the head coach starting the season next season? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything to change. As I said, I mean, that might be the one thing you did miss. As I said, nothing changes. Um, I haven't had a chance to sit down with him. I do think getting his perspective on things is important um, because there's nobody that works harder than him. Um, and, you know, if, if anything, <laughs> I think he needs to take some time to to, to think through the season himself and, um, and have a really good conversation. Um, but, yeah, no, nothing's changed. If something were to change, obviously we would have told you guys. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, you know, no one's asked me that question. So um, let me be clear about a couple of things. I might be a little bit redundant on something you said, but um, number one, um, you know, Russell Westbrook's been here for 11 years. Um, the reason why there's so many people in the room and so many people watching the press conference right now, a big part of that is the fact that Russell Westbrook has helped us to achieve a certain level of sustained success that's relatively rare in pro sports. Um, the last time that I checked, he has never had a problem off the floor in a character vein. Uh, his reputation there is, is sterling. Um, philanthropically, he's done uh, incredible things for this community, and he's also done incredible things for his hometown in Los Angeles. With all that being said, he's not perfect, right? None of us are. And, um, you know, but I'm not going to let 11 years or 10 and a half years of his um, contributions and performance be completely um, overshadowed by a couple pretty tough months, okay? Um, And so we talk about those things. And as the leader of the team and the face of the franchise, as you said, um, you know, you know, we'll have those conversations and there might be times that we might disagree about some of that stuff. Um, he has a point of view at times. He's an adult. He's a man. I respect that point of view. The one thing that I think everybody that works for the thunder and plays for the thunder has always had in mind is that we always have to put the organization first. And, um, there's no one person or, or, or individual that can ever afford not to do that. At the same time, like, 
we can't discount the things that Russell's done over the years and the things he's been able to achieve. And we certainly want to take those things for granted. But for me, it's more about understanding not the outcome, but it's also like what's the root of that and meeting somebody and understanding like, okay, like why did you take in that direction? You might disagree about like how it was handled. And at times that's perfectly fine with me, you know, because you have 11 years as of invested into something that everybody cares so deeply about. Um, so yeah, would we prefer if he handled a few things differently? Sure. We've talked about that. I also think it would probably be worthy and noteworthy to establish the fact that he made some adjustments to that particular approach. And I think that's a sign of tremendous leadership and a sign that, um, he is understanding that when he speaks, he is the reflection of so many different people. And, I know how much he cares about the team because I've seen it for ten and a half years. Sometimes I wish that the conversations that I have with him, um, you guys could see. You know what I mean? Just in terms of his the way he can express himself and the points of view he has, because he's just, he's a pretty smart guy, and he makes you think. And um, you know, I want to understand, kind of continue to to build that because I think some of the things you referred to are uh, are positive in the sense that we can sit down and. And talk about them, but we're not going to let a two-month period where you know, and things get significantly magnified when you lose in the first round. But we'll we'll sit down and talk about those things, and we we want to of course correct because there's nothing more important than the thunder to all of us. Tim, years past, you kind of mentioned that Stephen makes these subtle jumps each year. Did you feel like he did that in some areas again this year? Or how did you feel about his season overall? Um, you know, again, I think he's a great encapsulation of this, 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 this kind of like 70, 30 concept, which is that like in the beginning of the year, he was dominant. I mean, he's a big reason why we were, you know, 18 games over 500 and, and playing so well. Um, you know, he was calling for the ball in the post. He was really effective down there. He was putting people in the basket. He was rolling hard. He was doing the Steven Adams things that, help you win games that don't always show up. You know what I'm saying? Those effort plays and um, the physical plays, you know. Um, and then in the it, toward the end of the year, obviously, he, he didn't play as well, you know. But that's not just him. That was a, that's a group thing, you know. It's not just Steven. Um, I think the number one thing for him is he's got to become a better free-throw shooter. And as a team, like, I know much has been made about our shooting in general, and we're probably more focused on efficiency than we are on just quote unquote like shooting, shooting. Uh, but shooting happens all over the floor. And um, our free throw shooting, you know, if it just gets to league average, would have a significant impact on our offensive rating and our net rating as a result. Um, our ability to convert and transition would make a significant impact, especially for a team that's in transition as much as we are. It's kind of like uh, our free throw shooting is like kind of like. Um, I've used this expression before. It's like leading the league in walks and pickoffs. Like, we're there, we're doing the hardest thing, but we're not capitalizing. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a team thing. Your thoughts on Paul George and just what he was able to accomplish this season, second in the league in scoring, tops and steals, uh, how he grew in year two with this yeah. team. I, I, you know, there's a point in um, the season where it was like game by game, I was saying to myself, I didn't realize how good this guy really was. Um, he was playing at an exceptional level on uh, both sides of the ball. The the To me, the thing about Paul that's so remarkable is he impacts the game 
for every minute he's on the court because he plays both sides at such a high level that he's he's if he plays 35 minutes that's 35 minutes of impact you're getting because he can score with it um, he can make plays for other people but on defense he also can negate you know really great scorers he, he truly is a two-way player and one of the best if not the best in the league um, and he had it really going early in the year and he was you know he was leading us um, so I, I think you know obviously he was slowed a little bit at the end <coughs> um, but um, you know I, I I was kind of impressed you know through the year excuse me I get it my whole house is sick so I got this box of tissues down here so excuse me sorry <laughs> That particular answer? You can jump in there. We saw in the last series how important shooting is in the playoffs with, with Lillard. Um, where do you think the offense goes from here with, with Russell having the struggles that he had this season? Well, I mean, listen, um, with respect to, 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 to Russ, you know, we're two, years aw- we're two years away from him shooting 34% or so from three and shooting plus 80 from the free throw line. Um, and so we know he's capable of doing that. Um, this is a player that is is dominant in like just about every aspect of the game, but he had a tough shooting year. I don't think there's any reason to um, like dance around that. Now, with that being said, a lot of the things he used to be criticized for when he was 25, he's doing exceptionally better now that you know he's 30, and my expectation would be that the same thing will follow, which is he's shown he can shoot, you know, from three. He did it two years ago as the MVP with a team without PG. That was a team with, like, you know, Vic, Taj, Ennis, Doug, Domas, Alex, those, that, that team. Um, and, you know, I'd expect him to, to become, you know, better next year. Um, but – we can't lose sight of the fact that, like, this is a guy that leads the league in assists to the corner. He leads the league in non-corner, uh, second in the league in non-corner three assists. Leads the league in assists at the rim. Um, he'll go down as probably the best rebounding guard in the history of the NBA. Um, he's second in the league in loose balls. Um, he improved. He had a good year finishing in the rim in the half court. And he shot the ball off the catch from three in the corner I think at like a 36% clip, he struggled from a couple places on the floor. And listen, like we need him to have a better year shooting the ball. There's no question, but we can't diminish the fact that he's more or less dominating the game in a lot of these other areas. And, you know, every time somebody seems to, to say, well, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. A lot of the stuff I just mentioned are things that people said he wasn't doing when he was 25. I'd expect him to put in the work. I'd expect him to come back, and I'd expect him to to knock some of those down. With all those injury issues, though, do you feel like you might have to? I mean, you talked about some guys on the roster getting better, maybe not getting better shooters, but might acquisition be part of that equation as well? Get better shooters on your roster. Always, always. We'll look. We'll look under every rock. You know, when you look at it, I look at it this way. You know, um, you know, three of the five guys starting are shooting 36 to 40. Uh, you know, Dennis is a 36% three-point shooter off the catch. We're not going to get shooting out of our fives as of right now, uh, depending on what happens with Nerlens. You know, but maybe we can maybe we can push Steven into, uh, you know, uh, a development phase where we have him look at that. I mean, he can shoot the ball. 
we've seen it for years in the practice gym. Everybody here has, you know, internal development is a lot of uh, creativity, imagination, and you got to stick with that through the year. We've seen that with, you know, different players in the league, um, regardless of age. Um, you know, the backup four. You know, I coming into the year, I thought Patterson. You know, he was going to he was starting for a little bit, and then obviously JG took over that spot. Um, but he's he's been a thirty-five to forty-three point shooter. If he's back, which I'd expect him to be, you know, maybe we need to ride that out a little bit longer and and, and rely on him to, to to shoot his career averages, which he has done even the year before. Um, then you know we play nine guys, so that's not even counting Dre coming back um, and in what he'll do. So that's leaving you, you know, like the Alex spot, which we'll definitely look to to try to address. But like I said before. I mean, that's the nine guys that are playing, and we can either, you know, address those guys, play 10 guys, play differently, or add players from the outside, which we'll absolutely try to do. But, um, you know, that's, and that's, that's totally on me to figure that out. Sammy will have a, a great many fans who will say, you know, three straight first round exits. Why bring a coach back and expect something different? How, how would you speak to people who? Um, well, I mean, again, I mean, I think every team's always changing, you know, and, um, our job isn't to just sit here and, um, react to things. It's to be methodical as we go through things, understand, um, uh, you know, how we can get better, um, what the plan is for that. You know, last season, um, we could, you know, we could have said, listen, the team's not good enough defensively, you know, and. We put our heads together and, and, and became a better defensive team. Um, but the margins for error are small, you know, and, um, you know, in the Western Conference for sure. But, like, that's – to me, that's one of the things, like, about competition that doesn't bother me. Like, sometimes, like, you lose. Like, competing doesn't mean, like, you only compete when the wind's at your back. And so, yeah, listen, um, we're not entitled to anything. Like, we don't come into the year expecting – to um, just automatically be served up, you know, uh, opportunities to play in the playoffs. You got to earn those, but you also got to perform when you get there. And we, we haven't done that, so we got to figure out what that is. Um, and you know, we've never been shy about the fact that, like, you know, we got to go out and do the do the work, study it, and make the best decisions for the future of the franchise and the health of the franchise. And that's what we intend to do. I Billy or Sam. Okay. No problem. Um, Sam, when you hired Billy, you mentioned um, his tactical tactical competence, and um, you know, it's probably going to haunt you for the rest of the time we talk about Billy. But, but where did you see that stand up this season in terms of his tactical competence? Well, I mean, taking a team that was – you guys were asking me as many questions about the defense last year and, um, you know, getting it to be a top-five defense is one part. Um, I think – you know, our after our after timeout success. I again, I don't have the numbers on that, so I'm very very careful on that stuff. But um, I feel like we got good looks coming out of timeouts. Um, you know, um, when we were uh, going through the Western Conference playoffs in 2016, and you know, within two minutes of going to the finals, I mean, I thought he did an excellent job. I don't think he's any different than he was there. Um, so, you know, I think he's, I think he does a really good job, you know, but these jobs are really hard. 
And, um, you know, you can drop the best plays or you can put together what you feel is a really good team. And sometimes it doesn't come to fruition because there's so many other competing factors and forces that are at play. And so, you know, ultimately it's, it's whether or not um, all of us, when I say that, I mean, every single person in the organization, can we, can we try to get the most out of what we have? And, um, uh, you know, that's a, that's a unified thing. You've got the, uh, a lot of support from ownership in the last few years, committing to the big luxury tax, all that stuff. Is their appetite for that still as strong as ever in the wake of, of three straight first-round exits? Sure. Well, so, um, well, number one, I think our, all those decisions, all of those conversations happen after the season. So I can't give you a specific answer to that. We'll sit down and debrief. I know that, you know, when we're for 70% of the season, um, we're playing at that level and we're showing the capability um, and having, you know, PG and Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City, um, you know, that was really important. And our, I think our owners deserve an immense amount of credit for a couple of things. Number one, you know, recognizing the, um, the, the opportunity to have, you know, two players like that in the second smallest market, understanding that to convince those guys to, uh, to, to be here and to sign on takes, takes a lot, you know, in this, in this day and age and in, in what the, what the NBA has become. Um, I think they also understand that that's also a sign of not only to like the current players, but I think it's also an indication to future players down the line um, in different eras of the team that when in Oklahoma City, like we're going to do everything we can to try to a create an environment where you can be at your best and b try to win. And so I think that there's two it's twofold in that respect. Um, But yeah, like you know we could we could chop it up. in hindsight and say, you know, this should have happened, that should have happened. Um, you know, essentially we're, we're paying for for the opportunity to have those players. The alternative would be to not have those guys, you know, in, in Oklahoma City because there would be plenty of places that would love to have them. Would you, would you expect that out of Marquise Morris? Uh, you know, tough. The, the buyout thing is always hard, in my opinion. Um, I thought he played uh, much better toward the end. Uh, of the season the one thing I think he brings to the team or any team and one thing I think we need is he brings an edge you know he brings a physicality um, he brings a toughness and and, um, a competitive maturity Uh, at the same time you know he was coming off of being hurt for a little bit he he had no problems with his here health-wise and you know we like the way he plays and competes you know Um, but the buyout thing is always hard, especially when you're going well. You know, it's hard to, to work those guys in. We've, we've had it before with Randy Foy and, gosh, uh, Karan, Fish. Um, you know, you compete, compete for these guys um, and you get them, but assimilating them in is like there's no science to it. Sam, uh, you were asked about Paul earlier. Any clarification can you give on his status? As sure. Surgery? Sure. So, um, you know, with PG – um, everybody knows that he was battling a couple of different things during the year. Um, with anytime we're dealing with injuries, you know, w- we work with the player, we work with the agent, we work with our physicians, and we almost always have a specialist or kind of outside 
uh, outside doctor that that we're working with as well. And um, you know, everybody felt comfortable with him playing. Um, he was at no risk of any type of you know future injury. Um, um, but we all knew that when we get to the end of the season, he'd have to be looked at and evaluated. That hasn't happened yet. So um, he's going to meet with uh, that physician in another city. We'll be there for that consult, and then we'll see where that goes from there. Is there any clarity you can give on Alex's situation with how that happened? You know, I, I, all I could tell you is um, it was a personal issue, um, and I, Alex is doing well. And, um, you know, I really, I really believe in Alex as a player. Um, and he really was showing great strides. I thought he was going to have a great year. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way, you know. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, I just not at liberty to talk more about that other than to say, like, we support him, and he's still uh, part of our family. He's just not part of the team. And, um, you know, I, I, hope he's, I hope he's back on the floor at some point because he's a really good basketball player. <laughs> I don't know how it ended up at the end of the year, but for much of the year, you guys were at the top of the league in technical fouls. Even Billy got up there close to the top. The whole league seems to be consumed with complaining to the officials. Yesterday was a marquee game. All anybody's talking about is the officiating. Is that good for basketball? Is that good for the Thunder? If you don't like it, what can you do about it? Well, I appreciate the perspective that it's not just the Thunder that there people do complain about officiating. Uh, if you don't believe that, just go to your high school, local high school, or unfortunately go to the YMCA. It's a societal uh, transformation in sports, um, and um, it's it's I think it's a sign of bigger things, in my opinion. <laughs> like, thanks society changes and people express themselves differently and social media has created a pathway to so many good things but it also um it also can it can do some things that aren't productive either um with respect to the technical fouls um we don't come into the year saying we'd like to lead the league or be at the top of the league in technical fouls um just so we're clear we address that with the players and try to play uh, the fine line of um, you can't put players in boxes and say, we want you to play hard, we want you to be passionate, we want you to express yourself, but we don't want you to, to go over the line. It's, it's, a, it's, a, really, it's a really delicate thing. Um, I think what we would like to have is a team that plays inspired, but not necessarily a team that plays emotional. Because I think the emotional team is easier to play against. I think the inspired team is harder to beat. Um, and that's a conversation that we have internally all the time. Um, with that said, over 82 games, um, there is a there is going to be some emotion that comes with that. You know, every team's going to face it. Um, the ability to, 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 to have that and then it's all about how you respond, in my opinion. And there's times that we could do better at that. Um, but there's also times where you have to give some latitude to the fact that people are competing, giving everything they have. And um, there are occasions where calls are missed and the reaction is sudden um, and the officials in a position where they can, that's called game management. 
and everyone manages the game differently. Um, the officials are under an t- intense amount of pressure as well. And I think the last two-minute reports are, are really an intriguing thing. They're obviously there because of the advent of gambling on pro sports. Um, they're difficult because it's uh, not an independent review, right? It's reviewed by the NBA, who produces the report. And it's not entirely transparent because we don't know who's doing the review, which sometimes can create more questions about them. Um, so I understand the need as to why they need to exist um, because of what we're, what we're facing with gambling and the absolute need for transparency and um, integrity for our game. There's nothing more important. But there may be some things that we can do to try to maybe take the pressure off the outcome of the, the calls the next day. I don't know. It's really, it's really a question for Adam, but I know it's top of mind for him. They've been working on this forever. And the officials, the best part to me about them is when you run into them in an airport and they're carrying their bag with their little neck pillow, you know. They are allowed to sleep, you know. Um, and they're people. They're humans. They don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to make mistakes. Just like a player doesn't want to miss a shot, you know. Um, the world we live in is so immediate. And, and sometimes, to be honest with you, it's sometimes can be a little angry. And you got to have a thick skin. And um, those guys work really hard. At the same time, you know, it's split-second stuff. And the ability to respond and emotionally regulate is important for every team. But it is every team. We can be better. We've got a lot of contingencies for, for all kinds of scenarios. I mean, and you, you know, I asked you about Russell shooting. And you expect him to come back and be better. What if he comes back and he's the same or he's worse? Um, well, I mean, that's possible with everything. You know, I mean, um, everything. You know, there's. I can't make you a promise. You know about anything. Like you could walk outside and it's possible it could be raining. And you don't have an umbrella. I don't. I can't help you with that. You know. Um, you're welcome to stay as long as you want, Eric. But, but yeah, it's possible. I mean, what you can do is um, create a plan and work the plan, put the time in. And all I can tell you is, like, we're two years away from him shooting 34%, and, eight, and he shot 88% from the, from the free throw line in the playoffs. You know, that, that's a big jump start to our offense. Like, offensively, like, we had two pretty tough games, you know, um, we had the same. We had, unfortunately we had the two. Uh, we had two of the same games that the Spurs had in Game Seven, shooting the ball. You know, and that'll happen when you get into small, small sample size. And we shot the the blood out of it for three games, but it wasn't enough. They shot it better. Um, but I'd expect Russell to put the time in and come back better. We know he's capable. Like I said before, um, he led the league in in um, a lot of different categories. Um, that doesn't happen by accident either. He's put the time in for that. Um, and then we all, everybody has to get better. It's not about him. You know what I mean? It's, it's really a group effort. And um, I have to do my part. Um, but, you know, again, my job, I've got to look at, like, how good is this team? You know, what's the, what's the capability of the team? Um, you know, what's the path forward for the team? Um, you know, what are we going to do to improve the existing group? What can we do externally to, to, um, to work from there? 
it's a combination. It's, it never comes down to one person. Just like I said, like no one's bigger than the organization. Uh, no individuals bigger than the organization. Um, you know, it's never one. It's never one answer to to a problem. You know, we got We got to sort it out. You've never hit your sweet spot this season, and I'm thinking of the 11 of 12 wins. You guys weren't defending like you were previous to that, and and yet Paul goes off. Russell facilitates. It's it's great basketball. So, do you think you ever really found you know that spot that you wanted to be? Um. Well, I mean, again, like, yeah. I mean, there's points in the playoffs where, like, if you're looking at segments of a quarter or a game or a half absolutely a 10 game stretch i mean listen you can't be you can't be um it's like you can't hold one thing down be good at another and not have everything it's it's it's, everything's interconnected as i'm trying to say to you like um i don't know that we were ever like at our best defensively and our best offensively but i don't know that any team is it's an 82-game journey. It's an 82-game process to create a reliable style of play and performance level that can compete under um, adverse conditions. And the one thing I really did think we that, that was promising to me was the way we played on the road in some big games. Now, the flip side of that is we also came out and played some poor games against some teams that were under 500. So that goes into the mix too. That as we try to evaluate it, like what's driving that. Um, but as I said, capability. Like we set a standard coming. I say for 70 percent of the season, that yeah, you know, some nights we're going to beat you offensively. Some nights we're going to beat you defensively. Um, you know, we we had some some stretches and we were the second best three point shooting team in the league for like two months. But then we go to like 28. So there's like inconsistency there that we have to try to find. Now, when the data will tell us that like when when the ball's moving, we generate pretty good shots, open shots. When the when the ball's stagnant, we take tougher shots. I mean, I don't think that's like you've if you've watched the Thunder over ten years, like you pretty much know that, you know. Um, but I did think we played faster. I did think that um, when the ball moved, we generated the shots we wanted. That's, I think that. Um, um, you know, people think about efficiency as just simply making shots, but efficiency is also like winning the turnover battle, winning the offensive rebounding battle, winning the defensive rebounding battle. It's it's all these little games within the game that you have to be really good at. And, um, uh, you know, we looked at it, and I looked at it the other day, and I knew I'd asked about this, but, like, you know, we're shooting the three about as well as Denver. You know, we're five-tenths of a point off of Milwaukee. Um, and we're disappointed about it. And it, we'd like it to be better. I mean, no doubt about it. But I also think, like, we can't be dead last in free throw shooting if we're getting there that much. So it's it's across the board improvement that needs to happen. And that's, that's, that's you know, that's on uh, all of us, um, myself, obviously, uh, especially. But um, if we can add that to a 49-win team with the month of March we had, We'd feel good, but that's also hypothetical. Got That's got to happen. You talk about free throw shooting, and obviously that's something that you can or the players and the team control. Just how do you get better? Just what do they need to do to be able to get better in that area? You know, <clears throat> um, we've talked to a lot of people about that, um, and 
um, you know, one thing is we'll we'll have we'll have a plan on that. You know, that's something I'm looking forward to speaking to Billy about. You know, Billy is an established coach. Um, he's coached this game for a long time. Um, we feel like we've got um, certainly capable of doing that. And we've got to, you know, we've got to, we've got to make that a priority so we come back a little bit better. When do you expect that he might be 100%? Dre's doing well. He's, first of all, I mean, he's in incredible spirits considering, you know, some of the setbacks he's had. But that's who he is. You guys saw him up here the other day. You know what I mean? He's buoyant is the way I would refer to him. He's the ultimate teammate. Uh, He's helping behind the scenes all the time. And he feels like he's in a really good spot. Now, obviously, we've got the off-season to, to allow that to take its course. Um, so sad because he was, he, was, he was so close, you know, to coming back when he had the setback. But, you know, listen, those things happen. It's how you respond to him. He feels great. He's a big part to the team. I think we all know that um, because he does all the subtle stuff, you know. He's a winning player. And... Um, uh, not having him out there was tough, but you know, there's there's other teams that have injuries too. It's just when you don't have the player for the whole year, you sometimes forget that until you run into a situation where you're like, he was always good against that guy, you know. And you're like, but that's competition. It's how it goes. You, you know, you gotta you gotta account for. It. I just keep coming back to the fact. I think Ferg showed that he has the makings of being an elite defender at 20, 20 years old. Once he gets through the officiating gauntlet. And they understand, like, he's going to be here. He's going to learn the tricks of the trade a little bit, just like Dre did. I think that he has a chance to be a really good player. Um, and he's got a good mindset about it. And one thing I would say is Andre Robertson deserves a lot of credit for helping that guy, which is, to me, a tremendous sign of uh, what we what we want to be. You got, we'll get them all, I promise you. Juwan, what's your plan from this summer? I mean, listen, we're at a situation where you can't add a two-way player after a certain date. Um, We had an open spot. Um, You know, it would be an interesting player for us to to look at. Um, He was good for our playoff prep. He did a great job for that. We'll have him around in the summertime. Um, And, you know, strategically, there's like just you claim him off waivers because there's no one you can sign at that point. So... To that spot, so we did that, and um, I, I enjoyed <coughs> getting to know him a little bit. Obviously, watch him for a while. Um, he's a hard worker, and we'll see what he does this summer. One player's take, but it was an interesting take that last week. Dennis said, "You know, that Billy's a guy who listens to players, and there's good and bad in that. That sometimes when he listens too much, it can go the wrong way." And I wonder if you do you feel like there's a, a strong culture of accountability here, and, and, it, and if not, is it something you would want to discuss? Yeah, so, I mean, I think every coach has their own voice. Every coach has their own um, style. Um, And, you know, um, I don't know everything that that Dennis said, um, but at the end of the day, you know, Billy's in charge of what takes place on the floor and ultimately charting the path as to, you know, what's going to get the best performance out of the team. Um, Clearly, like, um, there are times where we're playing at an extremely high level, 70% of the year. Um, and he was obviously hitting the right buttons. And, um, you know, you weren't, you weren't, not you specifically, but th- those questions weren't being being asked. Um, but 
you lose in the first round, and as I said before, everything gets magnified. That's part of it. And so we'll sit down, and these are these are some of the things that, like, when, when you sit down with a coach, you want to hear, like, what do you think? How can we get better? Uh, what do you think about the team? Um, uh, you know, how did we get – how do we go into off the last season – excuse me, off season, into season, laying out those goals and hitting them, you know? I think the big question for us is we established this level and this standard uh, coming in. Something was different. We have the baseline to measure. And, like, I just think understanding what that is. Not saying, um, you know, uh, specifically, like, okay, like, um, individually, but as a group because everything touches that stuff. Um, and I, no one's better to have that opinion or that I want to hear than Billy's because he's, you know, he's the person that's managing that on a, on a regular basis kind of, you know, and, and dealing with the group. And he's, he's done a really good job while he's been here. So I'd like to hear that and, um, um, you know, figure out what we're going to do and how he feels about uh, mapping out a plan to maybe, you know, sustain it through the season. That's something that you feel that you need to have conversations with Russell Westbrook just because it's a fine line. You want him to play with that intensity. That's what makes him a great player. But are, are, is that an area in which you feel he can improve on? Well, you know, listen, I, I think it's a it's it's this it's kind of like the age old question. First, I mean, the implication that those conversations haven't been had or that we're not having them. We're always talking to our players, you know, um, and um, but we also have to recognize that. Um, the same things that I think you're implying are the same things that people are cheering when it when we win, right? When we're winning, everybody is celebrating whatever it is that they're criticizing when we don't win. The question is, um, are we, you know, is that helping us win? You know what I mean? If it is, we got to keep it. <laughs> if it's not, then we probably need to limit it. But a player like Russell is expending so much energy – He's leaving everything he has on the floor. He's competing for himself, his teammates, his team. There's going to be some emotion in that. That's a big reason why we have um, bounced back and navigated from a lot of different things during the season. Does that mean that um, you can't take time to look at you know every aspect of performance? No. Does that mean we're shying away from having that conversation? No. But that's all right. You think that's part of that's part of like relationship. That's part of um, um, trying to improve that's that's natural the, I mean I, I can't help that not everybody can see every conversation we have but we also don't, can't have him um, taking away that because as you said earlier like the emotional team is um, easier to play against but a team that lacks confidence is even easier to play against so you have to have confidence you have to have um, some stick to you which last time I checked, I don't think he's short on. Um, but that's part of the reason why we've been really good. And I and I, I don't I don't I'm not gonna sit up here and deny that. That's he's driven that engine for quite a long time. Well, Sam, do you think it's possible for him to shed some of the emotion that creates technical fouls and three pointers very early in the shot clock without a pass, but keep all the emotion that makes him so competitive has created three straight triple double seasons. I mean there is a you know, there's a balancing yeah. act. 
Well, I think it's, there's evol- there, listen, there's evolution. Here's what I'd say about that. Um, I know he probably wouldn't want to, he doesn't, he may not realize it, but he's really evolved <laughs> as a player, you know? I mean, um, it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I, I'm not going to dissect that, but the bottom line is, is like I said earlier, when you're 25 years old and you're getting criticized for all these things, you look up, you're 30, and you're doing a lot of those things significantly better, um, there's evolution. This, this, you know, he wasn't, like I said earlier, like he wasn't hitting the corners like he hits the corners now, you know? I mean, listen, I don't know if they were keeping stats like this, but he's second in the league in loose balls. Like, I think that's been pretty regular. Um, he um, took more sh- – he, he finished better around the rim. His shot distribution was actually, you know, trending, you know, and, and um, a little bit different than it's been in the past. Um, he's missing right now. He didn't shoot the ball well this season. But, you know, th- I don't think that's a sign that he's not evolving. I think he is evolving in some, in some ways, you know. But um, I know he wouldn't – he may not want that um, moniker. But the bottom line is he has evolved. Now, is he going to get better? I think he will because all the things that we just riled off were things that I don't think he, you know um, – he's done um regularly throughout his career and there's a gargantuan will that exists inside this human being um that like i think is going to win the day you know and i think he will come back and um but there yeah for sure there's always evolution possible and i think that he has evolved i do think that some of the last two months maybe um you know, um, overshadows that a little bit, but that's, listen, that's, that's part of it. When you lose, um, when you lose, like, that's what happens. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta eat that. You gotta own that. We, as an organization, you gotta move on. Did you sleep? Did you sleep? I right now, did did you sleep last night? Every question. You up prepping for this? Like, uh, that's hard. I was up thinking about Billy Donovan and his future. Um, Sam, first um, we talk about all the all this, all the rough stuff that's come with Russell this season, but he has developed. He's developed in the past three years, and I wanted to ask you, what role do you think Billy's played in that in, in these past few years that Russell built? I mean, probably better ask Russell that question, but, I mean, obviously Billy's the coach, and he's been um, a part of that. Um, I think any time, like, the head coach and the lead guard are always going to have to have a relationship and a uh, give and take and there'll be ebbs and flows of that naturally no matter what because you got to work so closely together um i think both of those guys spoke to that in their uh, media availability at the end of the season um and i think that you know russell wants to be really good at what he does he cares a lot um he carries a pretty big weight I think uh, that needs to be respected. I think Billy carries a pretty big weight as well. Um, you know, these are important roles and important positions. Um, and they're vital, you know. But, I, yeah, of course, I think that it's a, it's, it's, it's a – the partnership is important to be able to continue to evolve. And um, that doesn't mean everybody has to, like, uh, hug each other all the time either. Like, that's okay. Like, you know, we're, we're comfortable with that. 
But um, for the for the most part, I think that Russell's evolution is has been pretty significant over the last three years. Yeah. When you're when you're talking about Westbrook Westbrook shooting and having contingency plan essentially, if it doesn't get better. This year was a year when you expected it to be better, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. How do you feel like you guys did as a as an organization preparing? For well, that? well, I, th- what I said was um, not specific to Russell, but specific to Alex. So you know, um, it's a little bit different. Like I was saying earlier, like. Um, the guys I listed off, the core of the team, the guys that are playing the minutes, you know what I mean? Um, the, they're the ones also taking the shots, m- most, most of the shots, you know, from Jeremy, who we haven't even talked about. It's kind of remarkable, you know, shot, he led, led the team in three-point shooting. I don't know that I foresaw that coming, um, but um, credit to him. Uh, Terrence, PG, Steve, Dennis, um, Russ, um, probably leaving somebody out. Um, but yeah, I mean that to me, like getting some bumps in those areas is pro- especially where we are from a, um, cap standpoint. I mean, like there's just a, there's, a, there's a price for longevity, right? We, we, we've had two CBA changes during this run. We've had style of play changes. And the reality is, is that the team that we have today was built off the back of the summer of 2016. It wasn't a blank canvas that we could meticulously craft. And I know that seems like a long time ago, but like we had a decision to make in after that. And we chose to keep competing and keep advancing, knowing that it was going to be hard to do that. But I just think that we've always looked ahead and said, let's, let's sort it out. Let's figure it out. Um, And we'll do everything we can to look at all the ways we can bring in, um, you know, guys that can help the crew, help the team, um, that we feel like we can help or we can grow, um, and they can have an impact. At the same time, we're also going to look internally because I don't think players are static. They never have been, right? So um, we never I – mean, I, I should say, I mean, I don't think anyone anticipated Jeremy Grant taking on the role that he did this season. I mean, he wasn't even starting this year. He was playing backup five last year, right? And he's our starting four. And leading the team in, in three-point shooting. Um, so players aren't static. And um, the contingency planning I was referring to is, like, I think if we have Alex, I think we're a better team that way. Um, but improved free-throw shooting would have also a, 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 an improvement. But I've got to have a better – I've got to have a better plan for that spot. As I said earlier – um, you know, you look at the group of guys I mentioned, you know, luckily they're all under contract. Um, and um, that's, you know, I don't know, that six guys or so. Um, it, we play nine. And so you got to have someone in Alec, the slot Alex is playing. Maybe that's Nader. You know, he shows some real promise. I don't know. Um, maybe it's someone outside. We got to figure out what Nerlens is doing. I think Pat maybe back he's has a long history of being a, a pretty good shooter in the league I, I feel badly about just kind of the some of the some of the breaks that's gone against him um and you know but he's a relatively proven guy um and then we got to fix that that spot that we talked about for sure Tim, 
possible. Not having that contingency for Alex. Did you think you did before that, or you, did you think? Well, I mean, when the season started, did you? We put we no. I said what I say, Barry, is like we were coming into the season, um, basically, really concerned about the defensive drop off from last season because that was what we what we sat here and talked about. And Dre had an existing you know situation that we needed to account for, and so we tried to fortify that in the event he was slow to recover. Um, we also brought Dennis in. We thought he would be playing you know bulk minutes there. Um, and I thought Alex was going to be a really big part of the team. Um, and it, it didn't end up happening that way. Uh, so that can happen, you know. Um, my guess is is that if we do something, if, if this team, you know, no team stays the same, but in the event, that let's just say this team was exactly the same next season, um, and we went and filled that role with somebody that was an expert shooter, there'll be something else we're sitting here talking about at the end of the year unless you're the last team standing. Every team's built that way. It's just how it works, you know. So um, I get that. I think if Alex is is available and playing, like I think it would help us. Would it solve all these problems? No. There'd be something else that we would be wanting to address because that's what we do. That's that's how you look at things. Nothing's ever um, good enough. Like it shouldn't be. You want to always try to make it better. But in terms of like where you had to put your reinforcements, I'm glad we put them where we did. Um, because that you know, we really did lose Trey, and the pain of out losing Alex, it was really more um, prominent once we got to March. Like that's when we really started to feel it because we were playing really well up until then. But that's that's when we, that's when we missed. You know, we missed him a great deal, um, and um, you know that's how it goes. So, I don't, does that did that, did that answer your question? You can't fill every hole. I mean. I mean, you don't have unlimited resources. There's not unlimited ball players out there. Yeah, I just and wondered if you knew that was a problem in October. A potential oh, do you mean problem. Alex's situation? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. You thought you'd be in okay shape? No, yeah, I thought Alex. I was worried about how the hell we were going to keep Alex. Well, I'm talking about if we, if something happened to him. You well, said, you be, it's on you that you didn't have a contingency. I if, Alex, if something happened to Alex. Well, I can't sit up here and not take accountability. Um, you know, I can't because at the end of the day, like, I mean, I can't read the future, but I'm accountable for sometimes reading the future and it didn't go our way that way. I made a bet that Alex was going to be a really good player for us going, going out. And unfortunately it didn't, it didn't work out that way. And it happened late in the year and Wes Matthews went to Indiana and, um, uh, you know that's 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 sports. Like you can't fill every role, and like I couldn't, we couldn't foresee that uh, we're going to lose Nerlens because Andrew Wiggins was going to hit him in the head with an elbow. Like that's sports. Like hindsight bias. Like like that's that's something that in my position, like I don't want to. Like I can't operate in that. Like you can't unravel everything because these are human beings. Things happen. Performance issues. Um, you know, personal issues. It's, it's, you got to adapt and adjust, and you know, no team season goes the way they want. I mean, you know, as I said before, Pat was starting; he was not in the rotation at the end of the year. You know, we got Keith. You know, he did some things for us, but no team start finishes the same way they start. 
And sometimes you find things through that. In my opinion, that's Ferg, right? We got a good look at Diallo. We got a good look at Ferg. Um, Dre was helping both those guys. Um, Burton helped us win a huge game in Houston. He helped us beat Portland. Um, Nader showed us some things. Um, you know, I actually think Kevin Hervey with the blue had a good year. Um, you know, those things are happening under the surface. We're not talking about those here now because, as it, you know, as I said before, when you lose in the first round, people are pulling at the things that um, are more present. But I actually think that we had a pretty good development year relative to the, those guys getting some opportunity. Unfortunately, it was coming at the expense of the fact that we were missing a couple guys. But, like, you know, I'm always looking at where the silver lining is to try to figure out um, where the good part is when there's a bad situation. Um, and then you, you, you move forward from there. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, guys.